It slices, it dices, it makes all your dreams come true. The Creators Collective provides information not only on woodworking, but metalworking, leather, electronics and more. But that's not all. It also comes with three hosts to answer all your creating questions. Now, listen along as James Wright, Zach Herberholtz and William Walker fumble through answering your questions live each Thursday morning. Listen in now and you can have this amazing podcast for the simple monthly installment of a Patreon subscription. But we're just getting started. And welcome back to another week with the Creators Collective. This has been a lot of fun and uh, we're, we're, we're going to be doing some different things today. Uh, we haven't had a guest on in quite a while, especially since we renamed it. Uh, but today we have a special guest. So if you're live in the chat, go ahead and guess at who our special guest is. Uh, this this should be interesting. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, if you guys have been liking the uh, the intros we've been doing, I've had a lot of great comments on that. We're, uh, we have a couple others lined up we want to put in there. If you have any ideas that you would like uh, for a, a fun intro, I'd love to hear those as well. So uh, for our special guest today, uh, I'm going to pass this over to Zach because he has the, uh, the, the inside scoop on uh, who we've got. So Zach, uh, who is our special guest? Our special guest is none other than uh, Brett McAfee. I'm not sure. I'm sure some of you guys are aware. Jeff Gruff caught on to it. It's, it's McAfee. Um, McAfee? <laughs> McAfee? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Will yeah. jumped okay. on that for me. I didn't even have to correct him. <laughs> That's all right. I, I couldn't remember because we, we got into it and I know you said that. And then I just looked it up and I'm like, okay, there's no A before the C. So it must be McAfee. But uh, it's okay. You, you, add, you add a, a non silent A in there, huh? Something like that. Some some Scottish <laughs> something or other. Who knows? Ellis yeah. Island probably screwed it all up. Son of Affy. Anyway, yes. I know I know him as Brett. So, um, <laughs> I, you know, nobody ever gets my last name right. So, welcome to the club. Um, yeah, I always get asked, "Is that right with a W?" I'm like, "Yes." Have you ever seen a right without a W? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to see how long that awkward silence would last. Shots fired. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you guys if you guys have heard of a maker by the name of Jimmy Duresta, there's a good chance you're familiar with Brett. Um, he recently quit his uh, his life in the city to go uh, help out and learn from Jimmy Duresta. So um, yeah, welcome welcome to the show, Brett. Thank you, very appreciated. So how did that happen? How did the you're from like Kansas or something, aren't you? <laughs> something like that. Um, <laughs> one of those states? Yeah, one of Is the things Iowa? in the middle. Um, yeah, I'm originally from Kansas. Uh, I got it right. Yes, you did. Um, I, I grew up in a really small town just outside of Kansas City. And um, after 15 different jobs moving around the United States, I got a job in the New York City. And then right around... Uh, November of last year, I got to meet Jimmy for the first time. He answered an email. I sent him, you know, of course, a random email, not expecting much back. And he goes, yeah, come by the shop. Feel free. Um, and I pretty much just imparted myself on his life as much as I could. Uh, and then I quit That was my actually job. a pretty good Jimmy impersonation there, too, I think. <laughs> Worth noting. Yeah, we'll have to know, include dude. more of that Come in by the, the shop. shop. I don't even care. Whatever. Do, do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes. <laughs> so uh, let's go into uh, what we've been working on and uh, put that in. Oop, I scrolled too far. Brett, why don't you start us off? Uh, what's uh, what's on your bench? Um, 
Ooh, my workbench. Uh, I've got to send out the uh, steel sign that I just finished up and posted a video of for a client in Miami who's also my tattoo artist. Um, we talked about some trade service stuff, you know, her doing some artwork on me, and I'd make her this sign clothing rack lighted signage piece. Um, so I've got to ship that out, which means I've got to make a proper shipping box for it and get it off the table so I can work on the next project. And then honestly, just trying to grow a little bit more. I'm now in the deep throes of, you know, getting sticker designs finalized, getting those printed. Yeah, stickers. I'm, I've got some keychain ideas and then I'm probably going to screen my own shirts because I used to do that for a job back in the day. And oh, I think cool. it's time to cut my teeth on it again. So, the, yeah, those of you uh, not familiar with uh, Brett, definitely check out his YouTube channel. Uh, B-R-E-T-T-M-C-A-F-E-E is is the spelling. He's got some really, really cool videos. I was uh, lucky enough when we were up at Jimmy's place. Um, when was that? The TP build? Um, Do you remember? Probably sometime like during ago. the warmer was, weather. I don't know. Everything is yeah. 10 degrees outside right now, so my brain shot. That sounds so nice. It's like still it's what is it? December 28th. And like I was out working on my truck the other day and it's just still disgustingly hot here. It's terrible. I don't really, I don't, <laughs> I don't think you want to deal with this eight degree weather. I woke up this morning and there was a negative in front of the number when I looked at my weather app. I think, I think I would take that over like 80 degrees and humid right at this point. Like, I just feel like I, it has not let up. Like it just does. It just never ends here. It's just always hot and sticky. I forgot what it, yeah, oh I just God. forgot what clean feels like. <laughs> I mean, you just, you, you take a shower here and you never dry off ever. It's just gross. Uh, so, well, it's so, finally cold in Virginia. Yeah. It's like 16, 15, 16 today. So wow. yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, so Brett, I really like your videos. I was binge watching them last night, and I love that you like incorporate these characters. Uh, so the Francis Steen uh, <laughs> and the Speakeasy build is really cool. The Speakeasy table, I'd never Thank seen. You. I'd never seen one of those. That was cool. Yeah, I got that from a you know this. I always try and do a little bit of a story behind my videos because I'm a. I think I'm a bleeding heart cinephile. So I, I like to tell a story as often as I can with a build because I think I, I think it gives a little bit more entertainment value to the fact that you're watching, you know, a tutorial video, uh, for lack of a better term. Um, and the speakeasy table was given to me by a local antique dealer who we've made friends with up here. He's a good friend of Jim's and he always has these amazing old pieces. Um, and nine times out of ten, they're missing some hardware or that one was missing the top altogether. And he's got tons of beautiful old antiques that just need a little TLC to get them back, you know, in working order. So, you know, I developed the whole gangster thing and you know, <laughs> the guy brings a bloody headboard to me and tells me it's ketchup, but the build turned out well. And the, the simplistic mechanisms that existed inside the piece you know, I really just had to re replace a few pieces of wood and, and kind of, um, you know, put my own little spin on it, like no pun intended with the spinning door. But um, it turned out really, really well. And I think I think the the refab was really, really fun. 
So how did you uh, just kind of get a little bit more background? Like how, how did you actually get into like making stuff in the first place? What was your, what's your story? Um, so I, growing up in a small town in Kansas, it's every guy that I grew up with was always a handyman or, you know, master mechanic or, you know, knew his way around a wood shop. And I, I was lucky enough to grow up under my mom's father was a master carpenter and my dad's father was a mechanic for 40 years. Um, so I got exposure to making and building and, and, you know, refurbishing and a lot of mechanic work through my, through my dad's father. Um, but I was always in love, you know, I grew up drawing and went to school for design and illustration. I thought I was going to draw pictures the rest of my life and get paid. Um, but I always kept up the hobby of making throughout my years. And, you know, I moved to Vegas, worked for a video production job, got a lot of exposure and then ended up being on camera quite a bit. They, they put me on as like a video reporter in Vegas, which was super awkward. Um, but they, they loved how awkward I was on camera because I, I didn't know what to do. So I never really knew how to interview people, um, move, move back to Kansas city after that. Cause I got a job working at a silkscreen and letterpress boutique shop and, and got to go back into making prints and helping design and hand mixing pigments and stuff, which was really fun. Then I worked for a fabrication shop, uh, where we made a lot of signage and, uh, museum displays and, and exhibition show, you know, booths and stuff like that. And then got rolled back into video production and being a, a marketing lead, uh, graphic designer and, and media producer for a company in New York city. And just the whole time it was like, you know, I got job offers, more job offers to go and be a media producer or designer because they were more readily available. But, my passion always lied with just making stuff in general. So I got really burnt out on the whole corporate design garbage, got to talk to Jimmy and then pretty much just decided like, I know for a fact that this is what I want to do with my life because I met a guy who produces videos and builds stuff. I'm like, those are the two things that I feel like I'm good at. So, um, you know, while I probably have more of a background in video production and graphics, uh, I, I think my brain's always been there and, and it's just kind of teaching my hands to to translate what's in my head into a, a practical piece, you know, something on the workbench. I, I think, yeah, I mean, that's, I think that has, that's the biggest part of it. I mean, I don't think the building of stuff is hard. I mean, I don't, I don't mean that to sound conceited, but I think anybody, like anybody who really applies themselves, it's not hard to put stuff together. It's not hard to to shape objects and figure out how to attach them to each other. The hard part is I think the creativity and that's, you know, if you, if you strive for that, if you have that element, if you have that desire to create things, I think building stuff just kind of comes naturally with experience, you know? So I think, I think that's the yeah, biggest I mean, part of it. I, I mean, I don't think, I, I think the idea it, it's, <clears throat> In my mind, it's always been easy. Like I can teach. There's a, there's a movie quote from a terrible movie called Road Trip. Um, <laughs> but towards the end of the movie, the guy has to take his final exams. And he's like, oh, my God, I didn't even get any time to study. And he goes, OK, what are you studying? And he's like, uh, ancient philosophy in Rome. And the guy goes, oh, I know ancient philosophy. And he goes, I could teach ancient philosophy to a monkey. It's all about finding you know, the common ground. And 
to be honest, it's it's like I can watch, you know, um, a video on YouTube and with the right interpretation or, uh, you know, putting together the pieces of, okay, I know I have to do X, Y, and Z. I can learn those things. I can learn how to use a machine. I can learn how mm-hmm. to use, you know, what's what's the advantage of using this plane versus this plane or, you know, welding MIG instead of TIG, all those kind of things. If you've, if you've got the aptitude, you can learn those things, but the creative process, the idea behind it is so much more difficult to, I'd say, teach somebody. I mean, I guess it can be taught, yeah. but it's so much harder to get uh, somebody motivated by an idea to then create the product, you know, watching well, the think, Yeah, like I was, like I was saying, I think that's, that's the, the thing. I feel like that's, that's the thing that all of us had at some point that, that launched us into what we're doing is that desire to, to create, you know, the skills are like, that's just something that comes with time, you know, like if, if I mean, it's just, it's kind of one of the, the, you acquire them along the way, you know, if your end goal is to, to create things and design stuff and build things and, you know, you're, you're motivated to learn those skills, but that's, that's all it is. Like I said, like I was saying earlier, I don't think, I don't think anything that we do physically is unaccessible to anybody. I mean, I I truly feel like pretty much anybody can learn the skills that we, that we have to, to do stuff. It's that creativity. It's the, that, that really sets each of us apart, you know? Yeah. No, I have a lot of people ask me regularly, you know, how do you get started or what's a, what my, I, <clears throat> the question I hate is what's my, what's a, what's a good starter project. Now, like, you know, any project can be a good starter project. It's, it's not about, you know, finding the thing that's easy. It's about finding something that you want to jump in, finding something that gives you that, that desire to get started, that, that passion uh, you know, if you really want your first project to be, you know, an yeah. Elizabethan high boy with all sorts of carving on it, go for it. Uh, it it's any particular item is just a, a series of <laughs> steps and you have to then figure out what's the next step and then learn that next step and then do it. It's, it's, it's not that difficult yeah. if you, if you break it down and you, you have that passion to complete it. And I think that's what a lot of people, they want to, they want the hand holding. They want something that's easy yeah. and, uh, yeah, if you can if you can get past that, the world is, is awesome. Yeah, ex- exactly. I mean, it's the first. It's like you said. It's kind of looking down at your feet and taking steps in the direction that you want to go. <laughs> if if uh, you know if if you somebody just changed their image to a thumbs up and it's kind of distracting. Um, no, if you uh, you know if if you just look so far ahead of you, it can be completely overwhelming. I mean, the perfect example I think for me is. Uh, the truck that I'm restoring, I've been working on that a lot lately, and uh, hopefully I'll have a new video out on that channel, um, hopefully sometime in January. But I'm, I have so much work to do, and I look at, uh, I was welding some patch panels on the, the box yesterday, and then I stood up and looked at the inside, and the whole, like, I have a pallet in the back of my truck because if I didn't, I wouldn't be able to set anything in the bed of my truck because the whole floorboards are gone. Like all the cross panels are completely rusted out and I have no idea how to do any of that stuff. But what I'm doing right now, I have, I had no idea how to do it a month ago, but you know, it's really easy. I was looking at it and I'm like, I just have to look at one step at a time. Cause if I look at all of these things that I don't understand about this truck restoration, uh, it's, it's, it's incredibly overwhelming. And, uh, you know, but just to, to focus on the task at hand and every step and every little tiny step that I take in the right direction, it, it gets me closer. And if I can just keep 
taking baby steps towards finishing this thing, then eventually, uh, you know, eventually I'll get there. So do you guys have any particular questions for Brett or should we, well, Only got, always. Uh, we haven't talked about what we're working on yet. No, we haven't. Oh, let's see. James, uh, what are you working on? Yeah. Uh, I've been working on my tool wall. Um, surprise, surprise. Actually, uh, last <laughs> night I finished the tool wall. I built the last rack for it and, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it because now when I'm working at the bench, I never have to move my feet. My feet stay in one place and I can turn around and at any point, reach any tool on my wall, turn back around and still use it at the bench. And I, I love how quick cool. and efficient and it makes cleanup suddenly instantly easier because it, when I'm done with a tool, rather than just setting it on the bench and cluttering up the bench, I can just turn around and hang it up. Um, I still won't do that, but I, I could. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh. Yeah, that, that is actually the, the last piece in the, the shop reorganization that I started like eight months ago. <laughs> so um, I'm starting work on the, the first actual piece that I want to work, uh, that I want to build, which is a side table. Um, and we, we kind of talked about, oh, I think we talked about last week, I want to build this like a mission slash um, arts and crafts slash uh, shaker side table. So I'll have like shaker legs, but mission joinery um, with my show tails on the front of the drawer. And uh, I'm, I'm actually going to build the entire thing without using glue. Um, so no hardware, oh, wow. no glue. Um, even the drawer pull on the front won't be held in with a screw. It'll be completely held together by joinery. So that should be a, an interesting challenge. I saw the, uh, I saw your design on that. It's yeah. I saw it briefly on looking. Instagram before it got lost in the feed. Um, yes. but did I see, did I see that it had, uh, like proud through tenons on the apron? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, um, the tenons on either side, rather than intersecting and, and, you know, 45 inside the leg, they actually both continue through the leg. And so in order to do that, one of them goes high and is half the tenon sticks all the way through. And one of them goes low and half the tenon sticks all the way through. And then in between their, their draw, their drawboard pinned. Um, so that if you're looking at any one side of the leg, you'll have a proud tenon and a drawboard pin below it. And then on the other side of the leg, you'll have a drawboard ten, you know, a, a, a proud tenon and then a drawboard peg above it. So it's a, it's look, kind of a, a little bit good. design element that I, I don't think I've seen anyone else do. I'm sure someone else out there has done it, but um, it, it's kind of something that I'm, I'm claiming as uh, my own kind of look between that. And uh, I, I do through dovetails on the front, um, but I turn the dovetails uh, 90 degrees. So you see the dovetails on the front. So by any woodworker, they think, oh no, you're going to pull the front off the drawer. Um, but I put pins through, I put wooden pegs through the pins into the front. Um, so it won't come off. But then you get to see the dovetail joinery, which I always love. And any woodworker cool. wants to throw their hands up and scream because it looks horrible to them. But I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that'll be Very a fun cool. one. Um, oh, and also uh, the uh, sliding dovetail top. Um, so the top is held on with the sliding dovetail on the two side um, stretchers. Oh, cool. Do you so pin that really as well to stop it from sliding? Or is it just... No, it's just, it's a very tight okay. fit. It'll be hammer cool. fit. How about you, Will? Uh, well, uh, after Christmas, in my, I, I let my head stop spinning um, from being in the workshop building everything. Uh, and so last night, I got down into the shop. Um, a client 
dropped off a sink and faucet for one of the live edge vanities that I'm going to build so I can actually have the, the, the sink hardware to build around. Um, <clears throat> and then I turned a carver's mallet out of persimmon, which was pretty fun. Um, what's, was persim- a- what's persimmon? I'm not familiar with that. Persimmon is one of the densest hardwoods in North America. Um, it's about 2,300 pounds of force on the Jenka scale. Um, it's actually in the ebony family, but it's it's like a whitish, like an off-white kind of uh, really big grain, big growth rings, um, ridiculously hard. Hmm. That sounds sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, my my YouTube viewers, uh, you know, because I've made, I've turned. I don't know. I've made a few videos on turning persimmon and how much of a pain in the in the butt it is. Um, but I have it, and I had this perfect piece that was like almost mallet shaped already, and I just needed to make it round. Um, so I was like, eh, well, let's just do it. Uh, I'll enjoy the challenge. I'll just sharpen my my turning chisels often. But yeah, it was fun. <laughs> we actually had a lot of persimmon trees in the backyard at the house I grew up in with my folks. Oh yeah. I Did wonder you, if they're big enough to, to turn into lumber. That would be a really fun build. Yeah. <laughs> this one I found on the backside of um, uh, Thomas Walker's property. And Thomas Walker was a mentor to Thomas Jefferson, um, which there's a lot of history where I live in Virginia. Um, and so I kind of just parked on the side of the road and helped myself. And it was pretty, <laughs> it was pretty ginormous. It was probably about, I don't know. Uh, two and a half feet at the at in the trunk around. So, or I guess diameter. Diameter. Yeah. Huh. Cool. Sounds like fun. Yeah. So, Zach, so, who you've actually gotten into turning? I have. So, the past uh, week or so, I've been been working a lot on my truck, um, trying to ba- pound out uh, the box, all the the dents, and do some patch panels on there. And I think I found the hardest thing on the human body which is auto body work like um specifically when you're on your back and i don't know if you guys are familiar with kind of how you typically do it so you have your dolly which is pretty much just a curved block of steel that's like a pound or two then you have like your hammer you push push against the uh the inside of the dent and you pound around it with the hammer but doing this on your back with your like head up and holding all of these things up in the air um couple hours of that and you can't move the next day. So like, I, I seriously feel like I got hit in the neck with a baseball bat. <laughs> it's, it's brutal, but uh, almost done anyway, uh, working on the truck, which is exciting. Hopefully I'll have that thing all painted, um, in the next month or so. It's, uh, we'll, we'll see how far I get, but I ordered a whole bunch of parts for that. Holly carburetors and uh, MSD actually sent me a message and they want to help me out with the truck. So I'm super excited about that. Uh, I know there's a lot of loyal, uh, truck channel subscribers. So, uh, hopefully that will appease you. Anybody who's not familiar with that. I have a 61 Apache that I'm restoring it, um, on my other channel, ZH restoration, uh, so working on the truck, and I also turned my first thing yesterday. Um, I got some uh, some tools from Easy Wood Tools, carbide cutters, and uh, turned a pen. So that was uh, was pretty exciting. I can totally see like the turning rabbit hole, just because you you can just go from nothing to something in you know an hour. 
I'm sure that's really long for a pen. Most people that know what they're doing can probably do it in like 15 minutes, but I'm used to, I'm used to doing projects that take weeks. So uh, did you do what? a CA finish or just do raw wood? Oh, CA. Um, no, not yet. I need to go. So one of the things that I couldn't order was for some reason, all of the, the turning companies were out of like friction, uh, polish and stuff. So for the first one that I did, I just used boiled linseed oil and, uh, uh, paste wax. So we'll see how that holds up, but, um, I'll probably order. Hey, I like it. Somebody was telling me, uh, Mylan's friction polish is good. So I'll probably give that a shot. I might try CA, but the thing I don't like about CA is I feel like when you do that, everything looks like plastic and I don't like that. So just burnish it with the wood shavings and call it a day. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, that, and I think, so I ordered some, uh, it's called number 10 duck canvas, which is like waxed canvas. <clears throat> and I'm going to try and do a roll top backpack out of that. So heck yeah, I have some aspirations to do like leather and canvas, but I'm just going to start out with the canvas and kind of get the hey, shape and the it down. Yeah. I have a video of something very similar to that. <laughs> um, I did that army duffel just recently. Uh, it's something I'd like to revisit as well. I did a, um, I had an old army duffel and then put a bunch of leather and brass on it. And it was a lot of hand stitching because I don't know how to sew or use a sewing machine. It's really easy. I didn't, I didn't either until I got this one, but I know. And you talking about it recently and all the leather work you've been doing has been, I know Jim's got a couple of sewing machines that can do it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's making me want to, cause it would definitely speed up that process. And my fingers were shot, uh, with all the hand stitching I did on that thing. So I'd like to try it out based on, on what you've been doing. I might have to poke you afterwards about Yeah. It. So that's something else that I'm going to be doing, uh, hopefully this next month. And, um, I'm going to be doing some, some, I've just had so many requests and I never really initially, I never really intended on, um, doing this on my YouTube channel. So I just, I, I like trying to incorporate new media into my, my builds and my designs. So, you know, a month or two ago I started doing leather working and I posted some of it to Instagram and it just exploded. Like I seriously cranked out so many handbags and purses and wallets and stuff over December for Christmas. It was just mind blowing. And I've, I've had so many requests for people wanting to, uh, who've been interested in leather working and wanting me to, to, put some stuff out on YouTube. So thinking in January, I'm probably going to start out with something small, like uh, card wallets here. Um, just, just to kind of show the basics. Cause I mean, it's, it's a, it's a project and it'll kind of show the absolute necessities and it's probably a good introduction. So I'll do that. And then I'll probably start working into some of the larger, um, larger stuff that that's going to, you know, incorporate actually using the sewing machine. So we'll see how that goes. But originally, I got I, I got into leather because I wanted to start incorporating it into the bigger projects, and now I find myself doing a whole lot of bags and stuff. So you got to make some some bags for the for the bike. I know you've got the one on the front. Yeah, um, I do want to do. But I feel like you could do some serious work. Yeah, I do want to do a um, like a nice leather blanket roll for mo- the um, for the bed roll on the front of my motorcycle. So that's something that's been on my mind. Cool. 
Well, we've got a question here that actually would fit well with the having Brett um, came from the chat. Moonshine Metalworks asks, I know Brett said on his Patreon build in space, uh, but when you have a great idea in your mind, how much design work, paper or digital, do you do before building, before buying materials and starting? Uh, all right. So uh, I do a lot of uh, a lot of sketching, um, trying to figure out size and space, and then really just kind of breaking it down, saying, okay, how many you know one by eight white oak whatever do I need? What's the price? I price out a project, you know, with maybe 10% extra for waste. Um, and then I go buy, I don't, I don't really, I mean, I don't just go buy a bunch of materials and hope it's enough. Um, that would be silly. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if I f- fully understand the question. Uh, I guess it's, I could, I could, I could clean it up just a little bit really quick. Um, so, uh, one of the biggest things I've learned from Jim over the last year has been um, kind of getting in your own way with the design or the thought process of a build versus, um, you know, starting to put pieces together. Kind of like you're saying, like, you know that you have to make piece A, piece B and piece C, and then you can spend 45 minutes trying to figure out exactly how all three of those pieces come together and trying to sketch it out and go, oh, well, if I cut piece C perfectly, well, I can use these you know, I can mortise and tenon and if you just build in space, a lot of solutions present themselves to you. Um, so nine times out of 10, Jim has an idea in his head and we'll just start building and you go, well, what are you going to, I'll ask him all the time. Well, what's the plan for, you know, the finalization for the top or whatever. And he'll just go, I'll figure it out when I get there. Cause he knows the idea in his head and it's easier for him to solve um, problems or create solutions while he has the thing in space. Cause it's so much more difficult to think of those solutions flat or on your computer, you know, I do much the same way. I, I, I don't, most of the time I don't sketch up anything unless I want to make a design or plans to sell. Um, I, I basically use the sketch up in my brain. Um, and I have, you know, a three dimensional design with all the joinery and everything figured out. Um, and I, I just kind of think about it in my free time. And then when I get to reality, um, it usually morphs and changes, but I, I, I often will have like three or four different options that I've come up with in my brain that when I, when I get to that, that actual moment, I can then choose from them what feels like it would work better. But most everything I do is just on the fly. And particularly with my, with my methods, I, I rarely measure anything out. Like in the, the rack I had today, uh, yesterday, it needed to be X tall by Y wide. So I grabbed a board and I held it up against the wall and I made a mark on it, and how tall it needs to be X. And I cut it at that mark. Um, and so rather than, you know, sketching up and actually figuring it out, I'm just going off. I have no idea how long any of the pieces on there. I didn't use a tape measure to figure out any of it. I just made marks and cut them. And uh, I, I, I like that kind of freestyle building. Yeah, That's not very I guess for... I guess for me, because I'm usually making a piece for someone else, um, whether it's uh, a company, if I'm making a video for a company, they want to see what my idea is. They want me to sketch something out. Or if I'm making something for a client, they're going to want to see, you know, a, a maybe design A, B, or C. Which one do you like best? Okay, cool. We'll start working on that. Um, or if it's for my house, you know, my wife will say, well, I was thinking like this. So I'll sketch something out 
and show her. And she's like, no, more like this. Um, but everyone has their own methods. Yeah. Well, that it, it also depends if I'm working with a client or if I'm making something for my wife. Um, my wife cannot visualize anything. She has to see reality. And so and most of the time I ended up having to like Photoshop a picture of, of a previously done table or whatnot and create something that she can actually see the finished project. Otherwise, it, it doesn't make any sense to her. So I guess you have to depend on everyone thinks about it differently. So how does that, it work for you? That feels like a difficult challenge, though. Um, or, or maybe that's something that just kind of popped in my head with you mentioning it is, you know, when we send out bids or if a client comes to us asking for a build, we we will have to show them something designed flat, right? Rather than if we are building for ourselves or if you have a client that really trusts you indefinitely, it's it's very much just like, I, I promise I'll get you something and it'll kind of look like this is not a really good answer to most clients. <laughs> Yeah. How about, how about you, Zach? You, you do a lot of commission work. Yeah. Um, well, so I, I think design is the most important step. I think having, and, and that's not necessarily all the details. Cause I'm kind of the same way, I guess, as like what Brett was talking about with Jimmy. Um, somewhat. I mean, I, I, I think it's really important to have something either drawn out to where you have your, your dimensions so that you can figure out your material and so that you know what to buy. But as far as like the details, as far as, you know, sometimes there's intricacies and I'm like, well, I'm not sure what kind of joint I'm going to use here. I'm not sure how I'm going to attach the top to the base or the legs, whatever, you know, there's, there's a few details that I might not have ironed out, but I will at least know the dimensions and the materials that I need for the build. And sometimes uh, it's really, I, I think there's a, there's a, there's, you have to find a balance because I'm sure you guys are familiar with the paralysis by analysis thing. And that used to be me like years and years ago. Um, it's like the typical engineering student where you would just plan everything out as much as possible and fixate on what won't work or why it might not work. And, and that'll stop you dead in your tracks. I feel like you get as much as you can possibly get down. So that you have a solid idea. Like you need to at least have And the design for me is more about building the vision in my mind so that I know what I'm working towards. I have an idea of what the finished product will look like. I might not know exactly how everything ties together, but I know the shape and, and the dimensions and stuff. So I feel like that's really crucial. And those details, like you're saying earlier, uh, those I find, don't let those hang you up because usually when you are there working on it, the the answer will come to you and it, you know, it, it could have stopped you dead in your tracks, but once you're there um, and you have it in front of you, a lot of the times the solution will be obvious. So, but I, but I do, to answer the question, I do think it's very important to, to have something to reference um, even if it's only to build that vision in your mind, because you obviously need to know, how much material and, you know, how to shape those things and cut them and that sort of thing. So, well, I think we were about out of time for questions. Uh, we do have a few more. We'll probably get to those next week. Yeah. Well, let's uh, move on to uh, what we're watching reading. Uh, Will, what you got? I'm watching oh, yeah. Pask Makes. Um, he's an Australian guy. He's an Aussie. Uh, I just found him. I know a lot. Of, I know he's pretty popular, I guess, uh, but I just found him. So I've been binge watching everything that he's done. Um, and I just really like his technique. It's awesome. Uh, he's just one of those guys that's just, all right, let's just get down and do it. Um, 
and his, I really like his design, uh, his aesthetic also. So I've been binge watching him. Um, so I've just been reading a lot and uh, I actually just read Old Man in the Sea. It's my first Hemingway book. It's like a pretty quick read. You can knock it out in a day or two pretty easily. Uh, really cool story. Have you guys read that? Oh, a long time ago. Long, long time ago. Yeah. It's, uh, it's quite, quite the little, it's really easy to read, but it's, there's a lot of kind of underlying philosophy and stuff there. Uh, also I, I finished up the book. I think I had mentioned it, um, last week or the week before called start with why by Simon Sinek. Uh, that's also a really good book that just kind of talks about kind of following your core values and, and, keeping in mind why you're doing what you're doing and, and trying to make that the most important kind of force behind what you're doing. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what I've been up to. Cool. Brett. Um, really quick from, from Zach's perspective, I actually listened to, uh, his Ted talk or whatever he did about game theory. That was absolutely game changing in terms of approaching product and marketing. So I would also suggest reading something like that. I, I'm pretty I'm pretty leery when it comes to because everybody I mean I hate sales and marketing stuff and I, I just most of it's such a big turn off to me. Um, but this guy is he's different. Like he's I don't know <laughs> he's just yeah he has a couple of TED talks. Just watch one of them and I guess you'll understand. Um, as far as what I am watching, reading, I'm not much of a reader. I haven't <laughs> been for my entire life. <laughs> um, but I, I absolutely, I'm, I'm, I have an absolute insatiable hunger for film and movie watching. Um, and Red Smith and I actually chatted on the Fools with Tools podcast. He was, he was a guest with us recently. And we're now trading movie lists back and forth of here's stuff that you have to watch as film, cinematography, whatever. And he, <laughs> he's such a cinephile and I had no idea because he's just, He's a nice, quiet Frenchman. Um, but uh, on, on a kind of grander scale of influence and inspiration, both of us have, have spent a lot of our lives getting inspired by film and media, and it ends up translating into either, you know, you build a prop from a movie or uh, we were discussing, you know, trying to recreate cinematography in certain scenes in movies and things like that. So... I don't have anything necessarily specific other than Red and I are going to try to destroy each other with a movie list of <laughs> things to watch for the next probably six years of our lives. <laughs> if, if you had to give one to, to our audience right now, what would it be? What's, what's a, any good movie that people probably haven't seen? Um, I'd go foreign almost instantly. Um, we talked about Old Boy, the original Old that Boy. That was a good one. Uh, I've actually Chen, seen that one. Yeah, Chen Wu Park. Uh, directed it and it's a it's a reinterpretation of a japanese manga actually and the guy screwed with it a little bit it, it it adheres to the the main story for the most part but um by the end of it you get a real like twist up of your brain and the cinematography in it is amazing the acting is amazing the story is absolutely ridiculous that was a it was um, fairly brutal but it was really good yeah yeah and uh it's if you can kind of get away from some of the darker story points, I actually think there's a lot of like self-actualization or introspection that you can gain out of it. Of like, you know, the guy is a bad person and then he kind of works himself into, yeah, it's a revenge story, but it's all about trying to 
get rid of your demons or call your demons and, and get to a good solution. So I always take, I, I watch it and I take it as kind of just like, I'm not going to be a bad person because I don't want that to ever happen to me. <laughs> cool. Well, I've got uh, a channel that I've been watching recently, uh, Make, Build, Modify. Um, I know he's one of our, our patrons, but uh, love the channel. I always get um, some great inspiration there and uh, a lot of just cool builds. I'm definitely, it's it's one of those channels when when it pops up, I, I definitely go and watch it. So definitely. Yeah, he's he's his channel's doing really well too. So that's, yeah. that's good to see. He's getting popular fast. <laughs> Cool. Well, we did have a joke of the week come in from the live chat. It's not quite woodworking, but I think it'll work well. What do you call? What are you called if you work on a chicken farm? A uh, chicken tender. But a bum. Cool. Well, let's do the uh, product of the week and uh, get out of here. Uh, Brett, you want to start us off? Sure. Um, so. I I would jokingly say that the Dynaflow kerosene heaters have been saving me and Jimmy's life in the giant metal box. Um, but I'm doing some some other small woodworking projects right now. So Veritas low angle block plane is my favorite. Jim's got three of them, one of which came from Nick Offerman. I happen to use that <laughs> one. It is a sweet little plane. Zach, what you got? Um, what do I have? Let me look. Oh, um, so I have just a 90, the Proto 90 degree uh, die grinder. These things are so awesome. Uh, even I, I got it for pretty much auto work, but it's it's essentially a really small angle grinder that's pneumatic. And they have these little roll lock discs that you can, they just twist right on and off. So you can put new pads on there in uh, like two seconds and get into tighter places that you can't with an angle iron or a angle grinder. So, yeah, it's it's very Those useful. Are fun little boogers. Will, what you got? Uh, I just got for Christmas uh, a handheld metal dete- metal detector, like a um, wand. Yeah, like a wand um, for you know, like you know, my stint as a bouncer, yeah, nightclubs, whatever. Um, no, but I've got a, a bunch of old, old, like probably two hundred year old. Um, red and white oak that came out of an old barn um, that were the studs, uh, but they're full of nails and they will trash your milling machines, uh, the knives and your jointers and your planers. Um, so I'm really excited to uh, get started with that and maybe make a cool reclaimed something or other. Cool. Looking forward to that. Yeah. I want to get a metal detector too, but more or less just for fun of it. <laughs> <laughs> Go find some. Yes. Yeah, go find some find treasures in your backyard. backyard. Have you guys seen? Uh, <laughs> have you guys ever come across like a bullet or anything in a piece of wood? Yes, I have. I know that's happened mm-hmm. on occasion. Yeah. Yep. Actually, cut through um, the table saw. We, oh wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I was having some trees milled. A big uh, silver maple, or maybe it's red maple. I can't remember. Um, and we we're milling slabs, and uh, we flipped over the book match. Uh, and we cut right through the middle of a bullet. And so there's two slabs with uh, half a bullet in it. And you left them in yeah, there? Yeah, well, I, I left them in there to dry um, and thought it'd be a cool element in like a tabletop or something. But That would be really cool. But I cool. just checked on them the other day, and as they dried, it popped out the bullet. Oh, uh, no. If you can like glue it back probably, in there, pretend <laughs> like it's it. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
There you go. That would actually be kind of cool just to like shoot up a tree and then <laughs> mill it out and make a table out of it. <laughs> That'd be weird to like come across yeah. like a musket ball or something. Well, the one I hit yeah. was a mini ball. Yeah. I don't know what that is. I'm guessing it's ball. like a ball, but smaller. It's the, it's not a round musket ball. It's when they actually oh, wow. made oh, them like Civil War stuff, huh? Yeah. Crazy. Cool. Well, my uh, my favorite tool of the week is the wooden spokeshave. Uh, I just love working with it. It's a, it's it's one of those. It, it, it connects with you physically, and so when you're using it, it's like you are doing the woodworking. And uh, anytime I get a chance to use a spokeshave, though, it's fun. But particularly the old wooden style are just enjoyable and uh, very 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 fun. <laughs> I I fell in love with spokeshaves. Are you just as a as a quick question? Is the are you able to feel the tension on a wooden spokeshave? Like really understanding how the grain's pulling out? Is that why you would Oh yeah. Well you get the kind of suggest that the, the difference between a metal sole and a wooden sole is that the, the wood vibrates better. Um, so you, you get that that feeling as it's as it's running over the grain and the wood, you get that that immediate feedback in the in the handle. Whereas with a with a metal spokeshave, it's it's more dull. It's harder to feel because it's a stiffer spokeshave. So just it's it's easier to connect with. It's the same feeling with with a wooden plane as opposed to a, a a metal plane. I've actually got a question for anybody listening to our podcast, and you can hit me up later next week or whenever. But I am trying to find a sort of um, like respirator for people who aren't clean shaven. Like I struggle with that, and especially like someone be painting a urethane primer this week, and it smells like sweet death candy like you can just <laughs> it it's uh you can tell like even when i have my respirator on like i can still just, some of it gets in i'm sure it blocks you know probably like 80 percent of it but i there's still enough to where i can tell it's not getting a good seal <clears throat> but i haven't found anything out there that is like intended for people with facial hair that's some sort of respirator so i know there's some positive airflow systems out there i'm not but they're like yeah. six hundred bucks or something. I, I'm just, and I'm yeah. not sure how well they work. So I, what I what I can't believe is that nobody has one that's just like a tube that you put your mouth around and goes through a filtered system. Like why Except does that? For not, then you have your nose. You, you could <laughs> what's that? Uh, you have your nose. You, have you could watch Michael. You could watch Michael Cthulhu's Michael Cthulhu's channel. He uses some crazy steampunk respirator. And did he build it himself? Um, he did, but it's out of a kit. So he, he like dolled it up and painted it and stuff, but it's effectively a 3M kit and the mouthpiece is kind of similar to a snorkel. So it actually yeah, goes like inside your mouth. Why is that not at Home Depot and Lowe's? Like that just seems like it would make so much more sense. I, I mean, granted, you have to like plug your nose. He has... It, I, I don't know. Yeah, he has a video and he has a nose plug that comes with it. He He attaches it to his nose. So if you watch... Michael Cthulhu on YouTube, there is a video where he talks about his respirator that he makes. Um, it's goofy looking, but honestly, it might be something you want to get into. Yeah, that sounds like Scuba interesting to, there, to that's the up. answer. Yeah. yeah. No, because when we, yeah. when we uh, um, at my last job, we had, you know, the positive airflow mask that would, you know, encapsulate your head. Um, yeah, it seems like as long as you have a slightly higher pressure, even if you don't get a good seal around your face, you'd think just having a little bit of positive pressure would be enough to push, you know, to keep stuff from entering. But I don't know. Yep. That's always the fun of the facial hair. I think for the this next week, I'm probably just going to try and wipe Vaseline <laughs> all over my beard and see if that helps. 
because I don't want to die of cancer before yeah. 2019 comes around. Cool. I think that about does it for this week. Uh, so I do want to say thank you for all those of you watching, particularly those in the live chat and your questions on there. We're uh, having a lot of fun here and we'd love to hear your questions. If you have any particular questions, feel free to contact one of the three of us and we'll try and get those on. Also, if you have a joke of the week, we'd love to hear that. So that's about it for now. And until next time, have a wonderful day. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks again for listening to The Creators Collective. We publish weekly on Thursdays in iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. You can follow us on social media pages everywhere at Creators Collective. We're also live streaming every week on Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Just look up the YouTube channel to join in on the fun of the live chat and get your questions answered live. And until next time, keep on creating.